Welcome back to the Mono We Mono podcast, the podcast that debates hypothetical one-on-one basketball games between real-life NBA players, retired athletes, fictional characters, celebrities, you name it, and we debate it. My name is Adam, and I'm joined here by my two of my best friends, Austin, and a special guest today. Laurel, unfortunately, couldn't be with us, but we have one of the biggest friends of the show here, Roger. When I go way back with him, back to high school, back to hometown, how you doing, my guy? I'm good. I'm good, Adam. Thank you for having me on. I'm a big fan of the podcast. I would say that I'm the number one fan. Um, I don't think I'll get a lot of fight back on that, but, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just happy to be here. <laughs> yeah, no, I don't think many are fighting for that title, but I think you got a, a secure, maybe one other person, but uh, and he's been shouted oh. out here before, but, you know, it, it's, a, it's a back and forth. <laughs> 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 How you doing, Austin? I'm feeling justified, Adam. You know, I don't know if our listeners remember, but going back a few weeks ago, Dirk went up against Giannis. I happened to mention Giannis's exceptional mm. wingspan, challenging shots, and my, oh my, did he just block Kevin Durant at the nadir of his jump, the apex, the full-on stretch, and he stuffed him. Iconic block right there. That one's going to be in the career highlight reel. I'm certain of it. Uh, that's, it's, it was a nice block. I did watch it in real time. I would like to mention that he did not have his knee up to create the separation that Dirk usually has just not the same, but it was impressive. Nonetheless, still thinks the travesty Dirk should have won, but I don't want to rehash old wounds. I, I've closed it already. And now you're reopening them. <laughs> well, I just want to make sure that, you know, that Kevin Durant doesn't like to commit offensive fouls as well. So on that note, let me diss on another iconic Dirk move. That knee up, that should have been an offensive foul. In today's game, Draymond Green is jealous of those calls, lack of calls against him. There's a difference between creating space with your knee and going for somebody's nuts with your knee. Uh, there's a big difference. <laughs> you just sound like a hater. That's what you sound like. But I'm just going to let it go, man, because I love you dearly, and I don't, I don't want to get I don't want to get mad. <laughs> Uh, Roger, I saw you were out and about in, in New York City. Uh, I was quite jealous, and I wanted to ask, how's the feel out there? I, I, COVID restrictions kind of releasing, people getting vaxxed up? Well, it, it, it was interesting. I'm actually halfway uh, vaxxed. I'm part of the uh, Moderna gang. I don't know how big that gang is, but I'm proud to be about part of it. But, um, Busy gang. I, I have my first one. Yeah, uh, well, relax. <laughs> but um, I, have my, I have my first one, so I, I was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm up to about, like, what, 65%. I feel a little comfortable going out, seeing what the sites are, seeing how the people are. And I will say, like, it was nice to be out. I mean, obviously, uh, inside is not much of a thing right now. I think we open up, uh, in, in New York, we open up July 1st, which, you know, Whatever your opinion is, that's what it mm-hmm. is. But it was just nice. We were out by the boardwalk there, walking along the city edges, and uh, it's it's nice to sit down and have a drink with you know a few friends. And I needed it. <laughs> I definitely needed it because I've been inside for a year and a half, pretty much, and just just yeah. that one little outing. It, it, it was good to see people outside. Yeah, I no, I feel that. Did the sunlight burn, Roger? <laughs> oh, I went at night. I didn't want to. I didn't want to risk getting burned by the sun. <laughs> Uh, no, I know we've been quarantining through video games. Everybody from our hometown's been there, and through Warzone with you, Austin. And yeah, I, f- I feel the same. I saw those pictures of you and the squad. I was like, oh, I'm I'm happy and envious at the same time. But I can't imagine walking in New York City feeling it's it's got to be nice. What I realized though, um, I don't know if it was a picture or if it was me, but I seem to have gained some quarantine. <laughs> I was looking at it and I'm like, wow. 
who is that? <laughs> that can't be me. So I will definitely be hitting the gym a little bit more uh, now that I've gone outside for the first time. And I probably won't reappear until uh, later in the summer. <laughs> I saw that picture. And I no, the first thing I noticed was your arms. They look jacked, my guy. I was like, this guy's just bicepping and tricepping all throughout the quarantine. I fuck with it. <laughs> yeah, I, I worked on that. And obviously, I was just raising cheeseburgers to my mouth because, God, uh, that picture was not flattering. I'm, but I'm going to blame it on the camera. It was not, not yeah, my camera. I, I think I it's all angles. My, yeah, it's all angles. It, it's all about the angles. Oh, God, please be the angles. <laughs> as, a, as a thick boy myself, I know all about the angles. You wear black and the angles help you, man. That's it, it, They can work against you and they can work uh, for you. So. <laughs> I was set up for failure. That's... Uh, that's 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 my argument, and I'm sticking to it. I mean, as a as a thick boy myself, you we welcome you to the the side if, if you want to come through. If you want to come through, <laughs> we'll see how I feel. Let's see how uh, dedicated I am to these workouts. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to get that summer bod too. And Ramadan is helping a little bit. I don't uh, don't eat or drink during the day, so uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I might be joining you on that. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, my Islamic brother. <laughs> Uh, all right. So I got a hypothetical for you guys. Uh, we always ask each other who our favorite players are, and everybody gives superstars, MVPs. Some have niche picks, but it's usually they're really good. I was wondering, who is your favorite worst player? Like you just like you ride or die for them, but they're just they're not very good. Well, I don't think that this is the worst player, but my favorite underrated player. Well probably rated just where he needs to be, but I loved him. <laughs> um, was Amon Shumpert. Um, when we drafted him, I had the lofty goals of thinking that he could be the next Paul George because I thought that their, their beginnings were goal. similar. Yeah, well, yes, I, I am a Knicks fan. I'm pretty reasonable, but I really, really hope that uh, Melo would have his second high high score or something. But, you know, I... I was just like, all right, they're, you know, Paul George started out as like, you know, defensive wizard and just kind of built his his game up. And I'm like, yeah, Amon Shumpert could do the same thing. And I, I thought it was funny because I was watching a roundtable of Amon Shumpert. And there was one time, which I do remember the night he was facing uh, Kobe Bryant and he locked him up for the first three quarters. Like I was like, yeah, we're we're going to coast to our win. This is going to be great. Anytime the Knicks win, even if we're like just one in eighty-two uh, and one in eighty-one, like I'm happy that the Knicks won. I'm I'm a fanatic. <laughs> but Amon said that Kobe had walked up to him at the end end of the uh, start of the fourth quarter, and he said, "Yo, man, you had a good game." And Amon just like, Yo, "What the hell do you mean I had a good game?" Like. <laughs> You're sitting over here, like less than ten points. Like I've been locking you up. What do you mean that I'm doing, uh, having a good game? And Aman said, "Yeah, he just took off, took off his shirt, and the the Superman S just went across Kobe's chest. He's over here throwing balls off the backboard to himself, doing the craziest, ridiculous things that we know Kobe would do. R.I.P. R.I.P. And they ended up winning the game, but." You know, I sidetracked from my best worst player, which Mon's not the worst, but like I said, I had high hopes for him. Normally, I'm very reasonable when it comes to my NBA players, but uh, you know, when it comes to the Knicks, I have to have hope, and I uh, I <laughs> went a little too high with the Mon. I will I will say that, but he does have a ring. He does have. A yeah, ring. I was about to say he played an integral part in that championship. So great was I that off? 
about him? <laughs> basically, yes. he's Paul George. He's, ba- he's basically Paul George. He's a better Paul George. Paul George does not have a ring. <laughs> I mean, he can rap better than Paul George. He's got he's got some mixtapes out, <laughs> and that's that's uh, that's what I was aiming for. <laughs> but that's mine. What you got, one Austin? Yeah, apparently I'm a sucker for a wing player just like Roger is. So mine and this one, this one, I guess he doesn't suck. He definitely didn't suck. You want to say you guess he doesn't suck again? He just his career took a sharp left turn. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> it was it was Tony Allen. Oh. So Tony Allen came into the league. He was on the Celtics. And his first season, he was, like, very mediocre. Like, didn't show much, didn't really do a whole lot. Comes back his second year, and he starts showing these flashes. I mean, when I say flashes, I'm not talking about, like, a rotation player. I'm talking about, like, an all-star level starter. First off, he was one of the most athletic guys in the league at the time. He was knocking down shots. He was blowing by people off the dribble, and no one could score on him. And then, unfortunately, the end of the season rolls around towards one of the last games and he just tears his knee up completely now luckily one of those skills remained the defense the defense stuck the rest it never ever shown again and i'm a defensive guy i love the hard mentality it's why i loved avery bradley when he first came into the league i love yeah, me course. some marcus smart <laughs> i know i'm going all in all my celtics beats like i normally do laurel's not here so you're gonna make up for him <laughs> I know. I have to. I have to bring. Wait, hold on. I have to make our our KG reference for that. And KG, the KG mentality. Oh God! Uh, it's gonna be a bingo score. It's like it's you gonna know, be mentioning KG or the Celtics, mentioning my cat pooping, or mentioning uh, some just random fact. I think it'll be a good bingo card soon. <laughs> well, then we're gonna have to start releasing the podcast on Friday night so our listeners can play the drinking game along. I don't encourage Friday morning drinking right now. Hey, live your life how you want it. I'm not judging. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe in a few months when people can go places but cracking open one friday morning that's a little yeah, much that's true. Did, did you see the uh the, the tony <laughs> allen draymond green back and forth about how draymond green called himself the the best defender ever and tony allen was like oh. says who? <laughs> who who said that and then draymond was like yeah I, I don't know about you og we thought you we thought you were good but not anymore i was like sheesh yeah i think uh draymond also kind of thinks of himself higher than he is. He is very good, but I also don't think that he is better than uh, Barkley. And that's what he sees himself as. Oh, yeah. Let's not get ahead of ourselves here. I was like, dude, relax. Just because you You're got a ring with... The Warriors. The, yeah. yeah, the Steph and Clay. I think <laughs> you would have got a ring. the best shooters in the league. Yeah. Probably going down in the history books, hopefully Clay comes back uh, healthy. But definitely one of yeah, the seriously. best shooters um, that have ever played the game. Oh, my God. Steph is yeah. different. He's different. I do feel bad for Charles Barkley not winning a ring and having to hear that shit for the rest of time when he was like the best player on the dream team that year, like I, statistics I feel wise. So bad. And, like, I feel it. so bad for Charles. But he's he's thrived in his uh, TNT after career life and made yeah, all but, of our lives uh, so much better. Most of the modern day players don't uh, don't take to him though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> tell you uh, that. they don't really put respect on his name. You're right. I think it's the other way around. You don't think he, they he puts respect on their names? Exactly. Uh, well, he, he put respect on Mello's name, so he, he's done fine by me. <laughs> he's not a truther, as what Austin likes to call. <laughs> uh, if I had to give my favorite worst player, it's going to be a deep cut, and it's going to be on the Mavericks, and his name is Rodrigue Bobois, a.k.a. Roddy B. 
And boy, did I think he was going to be the next Tony Parker. Holy crap. Wow. Six foot out of France, was so fast, finished in the lane. There was one time where I think JJ or Barreo or the Jason Kidd was out and he was playing a stretch. And man, I was like, he's arrived. We're here. He's like scoring 20, 25. I was like, Dirk finally gets the athletic point guard that he, he needs. And then he was out of the league after four years and played in France for the rest of his career in, in Europe. I still believe he's probably the French MVP of whatever he's playing. He's probably amazing. I just haven't checked on him recently. But um, shout out to Roddy B. He's been, he gave me hope. It was like a bright sun just burned out too quickly. Man, that's not even a deep cut that you I You think know. he's still playing? No, not probably not anymore. But when he did play, <laughs> when he did, actually, maybe. What was he? 24 in 2012, 2013. So right now he's like 30, 33. He might be. I'm trying to look it up right now. It's not important. Shout out Roddy B, though. He, he gave me some joy for about 30 Yeah, I have to look it Yeah, no, it's a super deep cut. Also, Nerlens Noel. I always thought he was going to be a fucking amazing player. And when he went on the Mavericks, I was super. No, I'm saying when he went on the Mavericks, he just was terrible. Now in the Knicks, they finally unlocked him. I was like, shout out Nerlens. If he's going to flourish anywhere. Shout out Thibodeau. No, he's he's unlocked a bunch of them. No, I've I've been lying. The thing is, I have great love for Mitchell Robinson. But, man, Nerlens, while Mitchell Robinson's been out, He's been killing it. I, I think I think he's like average over three blocks a game. <laughs> Dude, yeah. No, I think his rookie season or his, his second year when he was playing before he got hurt, he uh he was the top ten in steals and blocks. Yeah, I'm looking at it. He averaged one point eight steals, one point nine blocks. That's so, top ten in blocks and steals is so hard to do. I always thought he was like and he's only twenty six. He could still be an integral yeah, part I'm, of the next hey, future. My future MVP is only twenty six in Julius Randle. So yes. Uh, <laughs> we're I'm only going future, up from here. Future MVP would be RJ Barrett, but I shout out to Randall too. A fucking incredible season. All right. Hold on, hold on. I have your your quick Roddy B update. Okay. Yeah, please <laughs> oh, let me know. It's getting spicy. Has he won MVPs? No, definitely not. He's just, you know, stat line's very similar. <laughs> Can score but can't pass. Um, he is currently playing for Andalou Efes in the Turkish League, um, but sharing a backcourt with the immortal Shane Larkin right now. Hey! Oh! <laughs> Small world! I... I actually, you know what? I have to change. And my Zana Musa. I don't know Zana Musa. <laughs> I had high hopes for Shane. He was Larkin with the Nets with the this year. Shane Larkin was with the Mavericks the and the Nets. Look at that. Mavericks and the Nets. And the Nets uh, not the Nets. The Knicks. Yeah, and the Nets. Ball. And and his and most Celtics. successful and year of his career Celtics as well. <laughs> I might have to change my favorite worst player. Oh, <laughs> forgot that Shane Larkin was a person. <laughs> <laughs> Our favorite worst players are playing together. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> small world, small world. <laughs> well, today we will be uh, arguing for Roger's favorite player. He's uh, from the start of this podcast. He was like, if I ever am on this podcast, there's just one player that I need to argue because I think he's the goat. He's a big Knicks fan. So, of course, we have to have him on and argue Carmelo Anthony uh, going against today. Dominique Wilkins and Austin will be arguing for Dominique. And before we get into it, let's get into some of the rules. The game is to 21. Any two point, three-point shot means it's going to be a two-pointer. Any other thing means it's going to be one point. It's going to be loser's ball, meaning if one person scores, the other person gets it at the top of the key. We got to make sure these people are playing some defense. We're going to be calling our own fouls, meaning if one person thinks they get fouled, they call it, get to the top of the key, redo the point. If you get a steal or a block, you get a take back. And you don't have to take it back. Any other points do. 
Adam, you want Carmelo to play defense? That's in the one-on-one rules? <laughs> oh. Oh. Shots fired early, and start. it's going to be Don't a start. lot of spicy talk, I feel like, in this in this segment. Austin says he's not a mellow hater, but from living with him in college for two years, knowing him for almost, what, seven, eight now, I haven't heard him say one good thing about Melo. So I, <laughs> he says he does not a hater, but he's not a, a gooder either. So... <laughs> I'll be making sure to give some some valid points when they're given. I would give him credit for it. Uh, but I enjoy sticking it to Carmelo as a Carmelo truther, not a hater, a truther. That's what haters call themselves when they think they're really right and everybody else is wrong. They call themselves a truther. Um, <laughs> but I respect it. I'm not starting a cult, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, Roger might for Mello, the way he loves him, and he's, he's been talking oh, about it. I him. absolutely love him. <laughs> but uh, with that said, am I missing any rules? Are we good, I think, right? Sounds about right. All right. Well, I'll let uh, Roger make his debut as to why he thinks Carmelo Anthony is taking it against Dominique Wilkins. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, this is this is going to be a touch, tough matchup. I'm not going to lie. Like I know that we went through the list of uh, players, and when Dominique was brought up, I'm like, all right, you know, maybe maybe it's not going to be too much of a challenge. Then I was looking at his career stats and highlights, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> let me uh, let me hit the books here. But uh, Carmelo, he's he's my absolute favorite player. Pretty much is the reason that I seriously started watching basketball when they uh, and especially when he got traded over to my hometown Knicks. I really started paying ba- attention to basketball back in uh, 2009, 2010. And ever since, I've been a Knicks fan, and it's been painful, but finally, <laughs> we're here. It builds we're character, here. Roger. <laughs> I've become a stronger man yeah, out of fourth it. Fourth seed, a right? Man too, are, are we? You're fourth yeah. seed right now, Knicks. Fourth seed, Still? and we're um, we're actually playing tonight against the Houston Rockets. Hopefully, Kevin Porter doesn't go off for another fifty points. Yeah, he's looking um, real nice. But, you know, we're fourth seed, and we have a nice little, I think, game and a half lead, actually, over Atlanta. Maybe two games by now. And Trey Young's hurt. Damn, if you told a Knicks fan... Well, I think Trey Young Young just came back, though. Oh, damn. Uh, I was about to say, if you told a Knicks fan at the beginning of the season that you might have home court advantage for the first round of the playoffs... I think New York would have exploded just that. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, no, we would have already started the parade. <laughs> <laughs> that being said, I am uh, obviously I'm going for my boy uh, Carmelo Anthony, um, aka Mellow, aka Hoodie Mellow, aka Sweet <laughs> Melon, aka Mel. My favorite one of those is the Hoodie Mellow because I feel like he was the most dangerous person alive. I think that if Hoodie Mellow was on the Knicks right now, it please. <laughs> Championships for days. It was a hard for me to figure out which year I was going to go with because obviously Dominique, he's, he's showtime. Great dunker and like underrated part of his game was his shooting and then later in his career, his three-point shooting like i i was surprised with the percentages that he was putting up because normally you just see him dunking so i was like all right i gotta figure out what mellow i'm gonna come with i was thinking about the 2009-2010 denver mellow i believe that that was a year that he went up against kobe in the western western conference finals i want to say it was i think so um, yeah. it was the yep. one time he made the conference finals and obviously that was the furthest that he's ever been in the playoffs. And I was like, all right, maybe those playoff credentials, which, which they were nice. I think in that series, he was averaging about like 27 points a game, 
can't remember the other stats um, off the top of my head right now, but I just remember the battles between him and Kobe. When Melo, obviously, like, the stats are, are going to be skewed towards, you know, team play and everything, but when Melo is facing somebody, especially people that he respects, he wants to put a little extra uh, gusto on it. So I was thinking about that year, and I'm like, no, because that year he was only averaging 25.2 points a game, and his three-point percentage was in the low 30s. So I'm like, all right, let me go to my favorite year, which was the 2012-2013 Mellow. He won the scoring title over Kevin Durant, 28.7 points a game, and the Knicks made it to the divisional round, lost to the Pacers, but... He got no help from his team. Um, I think Amari shattered his hand (laughs) 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 on a fire extinguisher. Um, Sad, sad, sad days ahead. Um, Last game, which hurts. uh, I just remember Melo being blocked by Roy Hibbert, of all people, because I think that was the greatest highlight Roy Hibbert ever had in his life. And then promptly he just disappeared from the NBA. <laughs> he went into big man hibernation. <laughs> <laughs> but I was going to choose that year because honestly I did think that he deserved more MVP votes. Uh, I believe LeBron, no. Kevin Durant I think won it that year. Uh LeBron came in second. And then Melo got one first place vote in that year. But I thought that he deserved it because I know that Austin has a certain definition of his MVP. But I feel like <laughs> if you remove said person from the team, what would they be? And without Camelo on the Knicks, they would not have been anywhere near where they uh, they accomplish. So I was going to pick that year, but I actually ended up picking the following year, 2013-2014, uh, which was a rough one for the Knicks. They only ended up winning like about uh, 35 games. They were in ninth place. They missed the playoffs, but he had similar stats. He scored a little bit less, 27.4 points a game, 8.1 rebounds, 1, 1.2 steals, and 7.7 blocks. But his percentages, three-point-wise, he was a 40% three-point shooter at that point, and then he was also shooting 45% from the field. And I was more so impressed because I just remember how much of a letdown that season was, but it doesn't take away from the fact that Melo is just one of the elite scorers, he had no help on that team. He was scoring 27.7 points a game. The next closest to him was J.R. Smith at 14 points a game. Damn. Yeah. Uh, And then after that, it just drops off. I forgot that we had Andrea Bargnani on that team. (laughs) But (laughs) One of the biggest first-round busts ever. Oh, my goodness. But I was just thinking in terms of, you know what, we didn't have the team success, but I'm thinking of a one-on-one. And Carmelo, in my eyes, is the most prolific scorer that the league has ever seen. He can score from anywhere. Might not might not be the most efficient, but he can score from anywhere at pretty much damn near that 40 to 45% clip. And that year, he was shooting 56%. True shooting percentage was 56. The following year, Kobe was asked who was the hardest person for him to guard between uh, LeBron and Melo. And he said Melo because he said that Mello, he's one of the few between Kobe, Paul Pierce, and Mello. He was like, Mello's one of the few that can shoot the three. He has a great mid-range game, great post-up. 
he could turn around with either shoulder, left or right. And he's like, the thing that makes him different, though, he's strong as a bull. This guy, he comes in two, two, 235 pounds, 6'8", and his wingspan is, is 7 feet. Yeah, uh, he's gotten knocks on his defense, but I've watched uh, over this whole week. I've been watching just highlights between him and LeBron because I feel like that might be the closest comparison that I can have to Dominique. Dominique obviously was weighing less, like around 215-ish. But if you're facing LeBron, like that's a that's a freight train. And during that 2013-2014 season, like if he was guarded up against LeBron, he would always come away with at least one steal and one block. And to block or steal from LeBron, like that's I feel like that's an accomplishment on its own. Because <laughs> <laughs> I I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but like LeBron is probably the most dominant player that we've probably seen in recent history while we've been alive. Over Rashid Wallace? Ah, <laughs> oh, well, my man Rashid Wallace brought the three to the dome to the Knicks and to Carmelo Anthony. He's kept that living, living through him vicariously. I think the most dangerous part about Carmelo Anthony is his triple threat stance and primarily off the jab step. Off of his jab step, he's damn near unstoppable. He'll read the defender's feet. If he jabs and he and the defender bites, he'll drive to the basket in 1.5 seconds. And that's damn near anywhere on the court. But if they don't bite, he can pull up in 0.7 seconds. Damn, that's some sports science. I, I appreciate the sports <laughs> science. <laughs> it, it was actually like very, very impressive because I was seeing that, you know, if he's in the stance, defender has a hand onto, on him. He'll swing around with a force of 52.7 pounds, knock the opponent's hands off of him, and then still be able to pull up at that 0.7 clip. You're not stopping Carmelo's like jump shot. In the matchups that he had with the Miami Heat, I think uh, it was actually the 2012-2013 uh, season. He actually had a 50-point game that was all from all pull-ups. He never drove to the whim. It was never inside the paint. That's all of off of pull-ups, and he still... And he still shot over 50%. And at least three of the matchups during the 2013-2014 season, he scored at least 25-plus, and he was still shooting at a 50% clip outside of one of the three games. The fourth game, he did have a rough shooting night, but this is also him being primarily guarded by Shane Battier, who is in there for defensive purposes, Chris Bosh, who is no slack on defense, and, of course, LeBron James, which he he knows how to play against LeBron James. He's able to drive on him. He's able to shoot. He can use all of his bag of tricks. And LeBron James is a better defender than Dominique Wilkins. Like I, there's nothing <laughs> that you could really tell me that that will refute that. And if he can <laughs> score on LeBron James easily, there's there's no way he's being stopped by uh, Dominique. What I think is also impressive about him is. A, his footwork. I mean, he still he still carries that to his day. He's able to pivot. He can do he can do whatever off off one leg, two legs. He actually has he actually copied Dirk's signature fadeaway and put that a part of his arsenal. And we already know the stats on Dirk's fadeaway where mm-hmm. you're not you're you're not getting anywhere close to that. And when it comes in terms of finishing at the rim, when he pump fakes, he purposely keeps the ball high and keeps his body low just to uh, sell the defender on a jump, and then he explodes up and finishes at the rim. But I think that Melo's bag of tricks and then 
also combined with his highest three point percentage is gonna end up end up edging out Dominique. Dominique is gonna score, but I'm betting that especially when Dominique drives to the rim, Melo's gonna at least get one key block and it's gonna end off what? It's win by two, right? Yeah. End off twenty one nineteen. Oh, close one. Um, Mel's going to hit just enough threes to make it a difference, but it's going to come down to that one possession where uh, he gets a block on uh, Dominique and he's able to edge out the score. All right. Adam, I know you're judging on this one. You're just going to let Roger go and compare Mello step back to Dirks and just take it with no no, no diss no. back on it at all. I, I no, he said, paid homage to it. That's the thing. Uh, he paid okay. homage. I, to I, it. I I never said. I just said he took he he took it and he obviously he respected Dirk, but he implemented it into his game. Dirk has the OG, but yeah, I have. I take no offense to that. Yeah, Imitation seen, is the greatest form of flattery. I see what's going on you go. here. You're right. Yeah. I've seen LeBron, KD, uh, Carmelo. They have all implemented it. I'm happy about it. I mean, it's like Dirk living on in the league, kind of. <laughs> Quick question. Did Dirk live on longer than Carmelo did in the league, even though Carmelo's played five years since? <laughs> it's the, no, he, Melo had not a fair go of it when he wasn't in the league. He easily should have made a, a roster, no, and he, he showed was, he on the Blazers. Yeah, I don't know why, really, like. I mean, maybe he's just like refusal to take a bench role in the beginning of the Rockets probably rubbed a lot of teams the wrong way, but I don't think he had even unquestionably had the the skill for it. Yeah, he had the The talent. talent. He's he's been like very I mean, his game, obviously, a lot of people are not a fan of, but man is one of the best ISO players that have played the game. He's top right now in in terms of scoring and uh, he's top 13, I think, right now. He might even be uh, I think he is. I think he is exactly 13. He had recently passed Dominique um, last year while he was on the Trailblazers. And that, then that's also with him being blackballed for a year and a half. That's true. He should be up a little higher. Yeah. And unfortunately, Dominique couldn't He's uh, actually have... 11th right now. Carmelo Anthony is 11th. Yeah, Dom- yeah. Dominique, unfortunately, couldn't have his five years post-peak like Carmelo has to pad his scoring totals, too, thanks to wow his Achilles. <laughs> but he's... You know, he did he did come back from that, but didn't have quite the same ending. All right, Roger, you got anything else before I can dive in a little bit? Um, I think for right now, I got my main points uh, over with. Okay. All right. You know, I have to say, I'm shocked you didn't petition for our first non-NBA player season with Carmelo <laughs> going for Olympic Mellow with the Olympic True. three-point line. Yeah, uh, that was when Melo played the power forward. He embraced the power forward. I was so mad when he didn't embrace the power forward on the Knicks. I'll tell you that. I was salty. Well, he did. He did. Um, he did once. Uh, Woodson took over. Um, in the 2012-2013 season, that's when he was primarily being guarded by, or going against power forward. No, yeah. Quick, quick aside. I am extremely excited to see Mike Woodson back in as a head yes. man at Indiana. Uh, University of Indiana. This is going to, you know, I am fully, I will, I am a Carmelo truther. I am a early 2010s Knicks hater. I will fully admit that. (laughs) It's a rough time in college. I'll tell you that. But I will, I will give a lot of credit to Woodson. I thought he did an excellent job coaching those teams with the lack of talent they had shaping them up. And I really hope he can bring the Hoosiers back to respectability. He, he was he was very valued on the bench uh, this year before he went over to the Hoosiers because this is a very under-talented team outside of RJ and Julius. And for us to be 
fourth in the East uh, with, oh, what, two more weeks left in the season? Uh, uh, between him, Tom Thibodeau, that was uh, an amazing staff. I always loved Woodson, and I thought that, well, like the Knicks do with most things, they <laughs> fumbled it. <laughs> Shout out the Knicks. Shout out the Knicks. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go uh, with Dominique. I I chose a... I don't. I think I went with like a non-traditional peak year. So I, I chose the eighty-seven, eighty-eight Dominique Wilkins over his most like well-renowned MVP season, which was eighty-five, eighty-six. During that year, uh, he averaged thirty point seven points per game, uh, six and a half rebounds, three assists, one point three steals, point six blocks. He shot forty-six percent from the field, thirty percent from three on uh, one point seven attempts, which is not very much in uh, 48% from the two-point and in. He also shot 83% from the free throw line, which I think is a theme of, you know, as Roger kind of said, like Dominique has been disrespected many a time in his like historical standing, right? Everybody just always sees the dunking clips, right? Because that's what he was famous for. He won two, also, uh, two dunk contests, so many iconic dunks. He was great at starting in the mid post, you know, spinning off to the, to left or right, getting in the lane and dunking over people. But he had so much more to his game than that. And, you know, defensively, was he a savant? No, he did. Uh, he did average over, uh, you know, two, two steals a game one year. Uh, he had consistently good steal percentages. It sounded like he was one of those effort-based defenders more so than a, than a lack of skill, right? He didn't give his full in. And one of the reasons why... Oh my God, I just looked at this 87, 88 Hawks roster and it burns my eyes, like burns them. Adam, would you would you care to venture a guess who the second best player was on the 87, 88 Hawks, which went 50 and 32 that season? Uh, Doc Rivers. Doc Rivers averaged 14 points and 10 assists a game. Now, a would, you, would you care to guess who the third player on that team was? That I, like, I have no idea. Tree Rollins. <laughs> <laughs> See, this is this is where it just like it it broke my heart because you know the only other like oh, Tree name Rollins was on that team. Was, the I only other name, name <laughs> <laughs> the only other that. name that like stood out besides Tree Rollins, of course, was Spud Webb, and Spud yeah. Webb was terrible that year. <laughs> their their th- their third best player was either Randy Whitman or Kevin Willis. Most famous for the best damn sports show, Kevin Willis fame, right? Like a forever career journeyman big. This team was awful and they won 50 games. So let's just start right there. Clearly, Dominique was one of those transcendent level offensive players where he could go out, average 31 points per game, contribute on the defensive end enough where even if you don't have talent around you, you still are going to have an extremely competitive team. And this team went to Eastern Conference semifinals, went to the up against the 87-88 Celtics, right? Which again, you know, 85-86-86-87 were the best two versions of that, but still an excellent, excellent team led by Larry Bird, Kevin McHale, Robert Parrish, and all that. And they went toe-to-toe with them. They took them all the way to Game 7. It went all the way down to the very last uh, end of the game. You know, ultimately, they did come up short, but holy crap. We're talking Doc Rivers as our second-best player, Kevin Willis as our third. Oh, my God. 
and they went up right toe-to-toe with the Celtics. In that postseason, Dominique averaged 31.2 points per game. Again, six and a half rebounds, three assists. It's like I'm looking at his regular season stats. I thought I was. I had to triple check it because there was no drop-off in those 12 postseason games whatsoever at all. He clearly was at his prime, his peak. He was 28 years old. He had a full complement of moves. When you're watching the highlights, people are playing so far back off of him because they were afraid of his athleticism, and he had to teach himself new skills. So, you know, whether that was a a mid-range bank shot, uh, whether it was his pull-up jumper, which, again, it did not look great, but the shot went in. He shot 46% from the field that year. You know, about, about a quarter of his shots were at the rim, which you would expect from a player with athleticism such as himself. But he had a lot of nuance to his game. Roger mentioned earlier he added a three-point later on. I'm not going to pretend like that was a solid skill now. He did shoot some. He was okay at it. You know, he might make one or two in this game if he, if he pushes his luck, but it's really not going to be a preeminent focus. One of the things that also Roger mentioned, I just wanted to clarify a little bit. The measurement that he said uh, for Dominique was six foot eight, two fifteen. That's when he entered the league. Uh, if we're talking about a twenty-eight-year-old Dominique Wilkins, who is a full man strength at that point, we're probably looking at about more six eight, two thirty-five range is what I saw. And he also happened to have a seven-foot wingspan. And this is where I kind of like, you know, whenever we talk about these historical players, I like to try to think about who can I comp him to from modern-day basketball. And I got really stuck on on Dominique because when I when I watched the level of explosiveness he had, um, the handle that he had, I really couldn't get anybody in the same frame from an athleticism perspective. Like LeBron and Zion were are the two most athletic guys right now, and they're a cut above what Dominique was. I'm not going to say that he's in that tier. But then I started looking at all the other forwards that were 6'8 or 6'9 that could handle the ball, that were their, their leading scorer. And really, like from an athleticism perspective, I think he's more athletic than Aaron Gordon is by a good amount. You can definitely have an offensive skill set way better than Aaron Gordon does. Melo's not really a good comp from maybe from a body, like height and weight he is, but you know, Dominique was all muscle. Let's face it. You know, Carmelo Anthony is, is, he's got a little chub going on sometimes throughout these years. I don't know if, if, uh, Mellow yellow, yellow, mellow 2013, 14 was, I don't remember the exact years. I'm sure Roger can, can say if Mellow was looking like him when he was out in NYC last night, but let's, let's keep it basketball. (laughs) I'm feeling bad enough about myself already. (laughs) You said, I accept who you are, Roger. I think you look great, Roger. <laughs> but regardless of the fact, it's just it's 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 really hard to think of someone. Like I don't know who we have right now. Like it's not a Kawhi Leonard like type of uh, athleticism. It's much more functional than Kawhi's. Like again, Kawhi suffers from what we you know it seems to be our our new term is like the sleepy syndrome, right? It's he has athleticism. <laughs> it 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 comes out right, but this Dominique was in your face like. His, it's so functional. He could get into your body. He's moving you off your spots. You make contact in the paint. You're moving. You're going backwards. Like he could get to the hole. He had a really good finishing package too. That was like, again, you know, when we go back and look through these guys, I try to highlight what their, you know, unique skills were. And and Dominique could, you know, he could go high off the glass. He could power through people. He he had a lot of a lot to it. As far as 
you know, the defensive end, I think there's probably a slight advantage to Dominique here. I think from his hands, definitely are better than Melo's. Melo is not very good as an isolation defender. He's always been like, his defense has kind of been, I I don't even know how to describe it. See, this is where the the Melo truther is going to come out. It's like... Uh, Hater. He kind of reminds me of a turtle. Oh, come on. <laughs> like, that is straight hater like, talk. Like he he goes into his shell, like defensively. It's like he's he's there, he's he's in the right places a lot of the times, but then when you know push comes to shove, he just kind of shells up and, and backs off people in the end. Like you know, when you have people like being afraid of being posterized or making the correct rotations, like Mello was the type of defender that fit that to a T. He's getting out of the way. He's an offensive superstar. He has the full complement of pick up, of picking up, driving, and taking the shot from wherever. But like defensively, unless someone's like bashing into him, that's the only time I've really seen Melo like buckle down. But this is this is one v one. I understand in the team game, which is why I said he may not be the best team defender. But when he's challenging somebody, like I said, I'm, you know, I talked about how he was facing up Kobe, and he was on his ass both of them were on on each other's asses but that's why i put my comp as lebron because lebron at that time at that season was weighing about 250 pounds and lebron was no joke Melo was all over him all over him and yes he did score but i did see a decent amount of just poking the ball away or getting a block out of nowhere and yeah carmelo can be lazy on the defensive end but 1v1 I think it's I think it's completely different. Completely different story. Yeah, the only nuance I'd add to that and I think I think this is one not to go too deep into the basketball talk here, but there's different styles of mid-post games. And you talk about Kobe, right? He's a back down player in the mid-post, right? He's going to put his back to you. You talk about LeBron, he loves to turn around, back, do his fake over the hand pass. You know, he's ultimately he's just taking his time, biding his time. Dominique was more of a face-up player. He he didn't really go to the back down nearly as much. So he tried to use his quickness a little bit more going side to side. Even in most of the clips I saw, and again, the the one that's a, if you're gonna go on YouTube, look this up after, I would recommend to get a good feel for him is in the 87-88 season, he scored 54 points versus Boston. And it's just a series of, you know, people playing back on him. They know he's gonna drive on him. He attacks someone's body. He finishes through contact. He gets to the free throw line. He's shooting pull-up jumpers all from the face-up. I just not sure if that's Melo's forte. I'm not going to say it's a like a giant talent gap, but I think in general, and I think you would agree with this, Carmelo Anthony tends to struggle with guarding 20-point scorers a game, let alone 30-point scorers a game. That's fair, but I'm also considering the fact that Melo is also going to edge out enough three-point balls to make up for the fact that he's probably not going to be able to defend those 19 points that I'm giving Dominique. I'm not I'm not uh, sh- uh, shying away from the fact that Dominique's going to score. Of course he's going to score. But I think that Carmelo is going to score better with his twos to edge out Dominique. Sure. So I'll just go through my last point before I'll give my score and, and turn it in. And I, I meant to bring this up earlier from talking about historically – you know, being disregarded. So Dominique Wilkins, and again, this might not be helping my argument here, but I'm going to say it anyways. Dominique Wilkins wasn't voted onto the NBA's top 50 players of the century in 2000 when that came out, which is absolutely shocking because he was seventh in scoring 
in NBA history at the time of that. And the reason why I bring this up is I feel like Carmelo Anthony is this generation's Dominique Wilkins. I think when people remember your one skill being isolation scoring or that mid post scoring, right? And you don't have the full complement of game. Like if we look at like Carmelo compared to someone like Jason Tatum, right? Like did Carmelo even ever get past five assists other than one year in his career? Did he have the playmaking? Do he have the other pieces to it? He's going to be remembered as one dimensional. Like there's a gap to his game and it's going to be, it's going to be frowned upon. But here's the thing. These guys were, freaking amazing at that one skill and they deserve to be remembered as such unfortunately they deserve to be remembered with dominique as being better than carmelo anthony and with that being said i think the score is going to be 21 to 17 i will absolutely i will absolutely say that i think carmelo will make some threes but here's the thing i think dominique has a significant athleticism advantage here and he's going to dare Melo to try to drive by him. And it's going to turn a lot of, uh, in, in the middle to end of the game, I think that's going to turn into a lot of pull-up brick jumpers. And I think Dominique is going to out-rebound the hell out of Carmelo in this matchup. He's way more feisty. He also has a significant amount of years in his career where he, he put up more boards. This particular season, he didn't. There was a good reason for that. There was a good reason well, for we'll that. Talk about this particular the, season. The one yeah, skill, the one skill the Hawks had in spades was rebounding. <laughs> <laughs> I don't yeah, know, I mean, man. You, you're picking Mello's, that one year, dude. I don't know. M- Mello's Mello when he goes up for a rebound, his quote unquote is "Get the fuck out of here! I got it." And if that man is going up for a rebound, you're goddamn right he's getting a rebound. <laughs> I think my favorite part about Carmelo's get the fuck out of here rebounds is it's almost always uncontested rebounds with no one else around him. <laughs> wow, wow, wow. But he's got it, and you better get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I appreciate the showsmanship, I do. <laughs> no, I think that that score is a little disrespectful. Because like I said, I... I think that Mel is going to score score more than him the off the twos. And for him to only be getting 17 points, that's ridiculous. Mel can score from anywhere. Anywhere. He can back you down, shoot mid-range, shoot his threes. So I I don't agree with that score at all. Like I said, I, I'm sticking by my 21-19. 21-19. Okay, I got a few questions. Uh, Austin, if you had to give a rough breakdown of the percentage of shots Dominique is taking. Are they coming, like, what's a breakdown of, like, what are, are they in the paint? Are they in the uh, elbow? Are they in the mid-range? Like, where is he scoring from in this one-on-one mostly? So I'm trying to do some quick math in my head, right? So let's say, let's say we're, we're playing to 21 where we have relatively efficient shooters, right? So this particular season, Dominique took 25 shots a game. Right after we reviewed the talent, it totally makes sense why. That's a lot of shots. That's a lot of shots, but he also shot forty six percent on those shots, which is very good. So it's it's very good. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure. sure. Let's just say considering considering the position he played, considering the talent level around him. I mean, I saw the talent level. I was looking at the Eastern Conference wasn't too strong back then. It was like the Bulls, the Pistons, and the Celtics, and that was like. That was it. I mean, he he's second best player on his team was Doc Rivers. Can we just review that one more time? <laughs> All right, my second best was J.R. Smith. 
and who was more efficient and scored more points per game and one and one 18 10 assists a game and one and 10 i would take doc rivers over jr smith if we're being whoa 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 whoa. that's not that's not what i said at all that's not what i said at all he said 14 and 10 i said who was the second best player on your team and you said jr smith yeah, and, and I how many points per game Rivers, did J.R. Smith average? And how many games? And how many games did the Knicks win that year? Twenty-seven. Oh, no, okay, thirty-five, I believe. Thirty-five. So we're talking about fifteen games difference in an equally poor Eastern Conference. I will say having a very good point guard to run a team is invaluable. As, okay, but and first off, I'm challenging your J.R. Smith as the second best player on that team. Real quick, 2013-14. I I have here Amari Stoudemire was on that team, but he only played 20 games. He played 60 games. He started 21. He only averaged 11. Okay. Raymond Felton. So, so (laughs) he was great when he was on the court, Amari, but he was barely on the court. I believe you're forgetting one Tyson Chandler. Did win defensive player of the year that year. Did he? I think. And, and also that was a a previous year. Previous year. Okay. Regardless of the fact, he's pretty solid. Pretty solid player. Just, just saying. No, I, he's, Tree he's Rollins a wasn't a bad player either for what he was doing in the paint. Okay, your your Tree Rollins that you know is from Two K <laughs> Arcade Mode, where he's boosted up to actually be able to do things. <laughs> Come on now. <laughs> Come on now. No, Tree Rollins no, was I, very mediocre. Me to watch highlights, but you're right. I would take Tyson Chandler over Tree Rollins. I'm not here. <laughs> I mean, the, if it's not even a conversation, <laughs> that's not even a conversation. That's a phone book. Close that. Snap that shut. And then what? You said that Dominique was doing this off of 25 uh, field goal attempts a game? Yes. Melo that year was doing it off of 21 yes. field goal attempts of the, of the same game and still shooting a high percent at three point range and. Forty-five percent at two-point range. So on less shots, he was he was he was more. Also, you didn't answer my question either. He was, of course, he was more efficient. Yes, I was trying to. I was getting to it. We got we got sidetracked a little bit. (laughs) We got sidetracked a little bit here. So again, if we were if we're saying, let's say we go with twenty-five shots a game as a baseline, right? Just say, let's just for shits and giggles, right? He's gonna take probably. Three three pointers out of that. It'll be one out of eight shots, like sixteen percent. Not very many. Okay. Not very many here. It's it's a minimal part of his game. After that, we're probably between shots at the rim, shots in the paint. I'm gonna guess that's upwards of fifty percent of his shots. Right around that. It's gonna be half. He's gonna be getting. Melo is not gonna be able to contain his penetration from stopping him getting into the paint. And he's very good at you know rising up. And he's not a Melo level rise up shooter. At, at the same token. It- I'm guessing at least a couple of those are going to be layups. Oh, yes. Melo's going to at least block one or two of them. I mean, Melo blocked half a shot a game this season. I don't think Melo is really a rim protector versus one of the most athletic 3-4 wings in NBA history. I don't see that happening. And you're, you're talking about the mo- he, Melo will guard LeBron, who is one of the most dominant power forwards, small forward power forward in the league and he's been able to get blocks on him. So I'm gonna a hundred percent suppose that Melo can get blocks on um on Dominic. I'm gonna use this, the same phrase my assistant baseball coach did in varsity baseball way back when after I hit my first career home run and he said even a blind squirrel finds a nut sometimes. 
<laughs> wow. I've never been more demoralized in my life. That guy was an asshole. <laughs> I hit my first career home run. I touch home plate. I get back to the bench, and that's what he tells me. Nah, that's a shitty coach. That's a shitty coach. All right. Regardless <laughs> of even the defense, I still think that Melo's twos are going to outweigh the amount of ones that Dominique is getting. Yeah, I was going to ask, Austin, so you're thinking pretty much every point scored is going to be a one-pointer for Dominique. I think he'll make one to two threes throughout the game. Okay. And, Roger, how do you envision Melo being able to stop that quick explosive step? Like, do you think that, like, if he – is he going to, like, give up the paint? Like, where's Melo going to start guarding him? I think that the first couple of times Dominique is, is going to get by him. Whether he's able to contest it or not, that's not uh, – I, I don't know. But I know that the repetition and the amount of times that he's just like, all right, I'm not going to let this guy get to the paint. He's That's that's when I'm thinking between that 10 and 21 phase, he's going to get his one block. But at the same time, between that 10 and 21 phase, he's going to get two – at least two two-pointers, maybe a third one if he feels like he needs to. But I, I just – I don't envision him just – letting him run train for forever. Like I, I, he's going to get his points, but I think that Mel is going to make it up for the three points. Cause he averaged about five, five threes a game. I'm going to say within this, he's going to take at least four. If you're saying that Dominique is going to take at least two of them, he's going to take four. He'll make three of them. Okay. Yeah. I'm not going to pretend like it's not an advantage. Um, and I just need to mention real quick too. I just watched, um, Carmelo Anthony brick a mid-range over Peyton Pritchard and get a three shot in his face by Jason Tatum live reporting here. Wow. Also, shout out those um, sirens. Baldwin at its finest. Oh, man. You can hear that? I'm sorry. That's no, all good. A lot of crime happens around here. Brings back that hometown feel. <laughs> Reminds me of home. Yeah, seriously. I'm out here in like the safest city in America. There ain't no sirens out here. I'll tell you that. But question for both of you. Any trash talking going on? Is Who's, who's talking? Who's yapping? Mel's not much of a trash talker. I feel like his trash talk is just literally him ramping up his game. I don't think that I, unless you can correct me if I'm wrong, Austin, I don't think that Dominique was much of a talker. I'm not aware of him being much of a talker. Everything I've read is he's known as like one of the best guys there was in the 80s basketball. Not that if you uh, trash and, talk, you're not yeah. a good guy. I'm just saying he's, he had a no, good reputation. I, I mean, Mello's whole model is stay mellow. <laughs> and very rarely... Does he ever get, you know, Russell? And I think I have a last question for Austin. When Dominique's checking up the ball, where's he standing? Is he is he guarding him up close to the three-point line? Is he giving him any space? Where's where's he guarding him? How much room is he giving him? So this one is one where I I have a tough time answering the question because if I was coaching Dominique in this game, I'd be telling him to get right up on his right hip and forcing him into lefty jumpers. And that's a, I'm okay with living with Carmelo knocking those down. I couldn't tell you what Dominique's going to do in a one-on-one situation for that one. That's I'm sorry, I don't. If you had to envision it, if you had to envision it, as well, we we can embellish. This is our podcast here. We make. If I had to, if I had to envision it, (laughs) Dominique always listened to his coach and every single time would follow his instructions very closely, except for when he takes flight. He the creativity abound. Then he might trash talk on a dunk, and that, that's the only thing I could see. Now, in all honesty, Dominique wasn't the best defender. I think he was definitely, I think he was definitely better than Carmelo. And I think 
from what I've read and what I've seen, it looks like it came and it went. In times when he was engaged, it looks like he was a, a pretty solid defender. You know, he averaged over two steals a game uh, the season before this. He's had a steal percentage over 2%, which is, you know, one of the elite indicators of, of defense, right? Again, I'm not going to say he was engaged fully every single time. He was on four straight 50-win teams. They did play defense. Okay. Well, I just don't see any season where he averaged two steals a game, Dominique, just for the record. The most he's ever averaged is 1.8, and that was in the 85-86 season. Yes, sorry. So I think I mixed up my numbers. His steal percentage that season was over 2%, which is one of the elite indicators, but he was 1.8 a game. Got you. Okay. Um, all right. I think I've made my decision. It's it's a really tough one. And when Austin, you told me to look at the highlights of that game when he was dropping 50 on the Celtics, I took a, a gander and I, I did a little bit of research because it's we both, I like to become more familiar because I'm, I'm a Knicks fan also. So I was watching a ton of mellow. I can I can vouch for some of the stuff he was doing. And from what I was seeing, Dominique. It looked like he was operating more out of that back down that I think you were giving a little less credit to. I don't, I, from what I saw, at least in those in that game highlights, he he had such a quick spin and was able to back you down. But the the second he got away from his back to the basket, that move anybody he's blown by, and that's a really really tough to guard. But when I look at the the physical profiles here. And you give the speed and the athleticism to Wilkins and you give the the weight and the strength, I think, to Mello. I think there's just a solid he's just a solid base. And the way that Wilkins plays, I think I have to edge it over to Mello. Only because that year he picked it was the best year of Mello's shooting career, three point percentage wise. And when I'm looking at Dominique, I saw some defensive highlights as well as Dominique. I tried to watch some and Larry Bird was exploding by him. And I'm not saying Larry Bird, he's an amazing player, but he, I don't think he had the explosiveness out of a quick step the same way that Melo did. Larry Bird was a better player, but out of a, of a out of a triple stance, I'm giving the first step to Melo's advantage. Every other aspect of the game I'm giving to Larry Bird. Don't get me wrong. but And, and what Roger said about the .7 release of a, a jump shot, he gets that thing up quick. And I think that really helps in a one-on-one because you're going to try to get up on him. And the slight second that he has some space, he can rise up and hit that jumper. I think the the two-point – that's why I asked you, Austin, what the breakdown of the, the scoring is going to be just because mm-hmm. I think you need a healthy balance of ones and twos in a, in a game just to give you that breather when it is going to get a dogfight in the post. And I think these two are going to really go back and forth. They're really strong. They're going to try to out-rebound each other. And I know Bello had his defensive efficiencies, but it wasn't like Dominique was a lockdown defender in himself. I think if even if Dominique didn't have that jump shot, he could have made up for it a bit if he played a bit better defense. But I think when you couple the lack of range, meaning the lack of attempts you can get from a variety of places, coupled with you're not that great at defense and Mello can roast the best defenders. We've seen him, like Roger said, he's roasted Mello. Kobe's, he's roasted. He's roasted a lot of people that have been better defenders than Dominique. So with that, I, I got to give it to Mello. Um, but I agree, both of these guys are super underrated in the history of basketball. Um, if I give my score, I think I'm going to give it 21-18, 21-17 probably, just because I think, the math on those extra twos is going to be a little bit more. 
and when banging bodies down low, Melo has that strength. He's not going to get moved out of the way as easily as some of the other players that Dominique was moving out of the way. So I'm sorry, Austin. And congrats on your, your debut, Raj. <laughs> Thank you. I actually, you know, I watched like a little bit of the player comp. I didn't know which year uh, you were going to pick. I thought you were going to pick that 92-93 season, I think it was, where he shot uh, 38% from three. So that's why I was like, all right, I have to pick 2013-2014 because like I, I felt like it was just going to be one of those percentage-wise that's that's how Melo would be able to uh to win but I, I did enjoy watching the highlights of Dominique I was very surprised like how all around his game was yeah I definitely couldn't have taken that year because that was post Achilles tear so yes the numbers were great where else that would have been 32 year olds nowhere near that level of athleticism after post Achilles tear too what I would say is I agree with Adam's decision in one-on-one I think Carmelo does end up taking it um I strongly disagree with the strength tank uh take I think Dominique is a lot stronger than Carmelo is uh he he has one of those frames again that no like Carmelo like is 235, 240. Dominique was that same weight. And Dominique was all muscle. The explosion that he had, people moved off of him. No one's ever moved off of Melo going up towards the basket. You know, Roy Hibbert definitely could do that. But from a shot making perspective, I think I think uh, shoulder was also hurt too. So let's also, you know, make that known. And he scored 39 in that game. Nobody else helped him because he had no help. Uh, Absolutely. But I think from a shot making perspective, Melo is lethal in one on one. You know, I, I think he's would be a tough matchup for a lot of people out there, including people who I think are much better uh, historical players like Dominique. No, that's that's fair. That's fair. Because like I said, I was I was I was going through it. I was like, wow, like, you know, obviously I'm not able to watch Dominique, but like just watching the highlights, I was like, oh, shit, like, you know, he he catches you did work. And Mm -hmm. and just just those numbers alone, I'm like, yo, (laughs) This is amazing. So I and uh, that's also I'll kind of like tail end that with um with this. Like this is why I also appreciate what you guys are doing because it kind of makes me either a I'm like hearing different arguments. Like I think the one week that you guys were doing Gary Payton, I was like, damn, like I think Gary Payton will win this, and then Adam lost it. But I was just like, Adam convinced me though, like holy shit. But I like I said, I'll, I'll say it one more time. Like, I love what you guys are doing and it, uh, it's, it's definitely brightened up my weeks. Oh, we appreciate <laughs> it, brother. We appreciate it. And I'm, I'm sure this will not be the last time that you'll be visiting the pod, especially you gotta, you gotta win on your belt. You can't just retire after that. <laughs> a bit nervous, but I'm glad I, uh, I got like I said, I love you guys, but at the same time, I'm like, oh man, I, I, I even bought a new mic for this. I, I was like, <laughs> I want to be as official as I could. <laughs> and it sounded real crispy, real crispy. <laughs> Heard the sirens outside. Yeah. <laughs> that, that Baldwin feel, baby. <laughs> uh, okay. So our second matchup today is uh, is a good one. It's battle between the Brainiacs, people that we watched growing up. And, you know, I know I did with Dexter from Dexter's Laboratory going against Jimmy Neutron. Cartoon Network versus Nickelodeon, Battle of the West Coast, East Coast, if you will, of the cartoons. So I will be arguing for Jimmy Neutron. My guy Austin will be arguing for Dexter. And Roger will be judging it all. First time he got a win under his belt. Now he's judging it. He's got all the power. It's a good day for this guy. 
So I'll I'll, <laughs> I'll start out. <laughs> Jimmy Nushon, aka Boy Wonder, aka Jimbo Slice. I made that one up, but he probably should have it. <laughs> um, <laughs> he is 12 years old, and me and Austin had a, a bit of a tizzy of going back and forth. Not a tizzy, but when we looked up these guys' heights, it was all over the place. I saw. Jimmy Neutron being 5'9", I saw him being 6'2", and I was like, this this kid's 12 years old. There's there's no way that he's this height. What did you find when you were looking up some stuff? Yeah, apparently Scandal has overtaken the internet. The standard sites where we look up this information apparently have been bamboozled and we're scraping incorrect information from a fake fan fiction site. So, no, Jimmy Neutron's not six foot two. He's 11 years old and he's short as all hell. He's one of the shortest characters in there. What, what, what yeah, are these no, people doing? A lot of people us? believe the two. I mean, they say the Teletubbies were like six two, six three, and that's terrifying. Oh, that is. See, that I <laughs> believe. I those, those tops that were big. my childhood completely. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that, that's like a street gang running up on you on the hills. Be like, all these Teletubbies just like towering over you. That's just scary. I've been afraid of the Teletubbies long before I knew they were six foot two. This just I was a Teletubbies fan growing up, but then I like stepped away from it and looked back. I was like, I must have been a sick child because I don't know how I was into this shit. <laughs> yeah, something about Poe, man. And po Baby Son. I didn't fuck with the Baby Son. That Son shouldn't be babies. You know, Baby Son has, has a kid now. Why'd you look at that? Yeah. Still fuck that Baby Son. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I do not believe. I mean, I'm even looking at the fandom website, and for Jimmy Neutron, it's saying five nine, but I feel no. like at least two feet of that is his yeah. hair. No, so I found what I feel like are credible sources, <laughs> and I list Jimmy Neutron at three eight. So I will, I will accept three eight. Twelve years old. Don't see it's around seventy plus pounds. They said. Um, so when you look at Jimmy Neutron, of course, he is super, super smart. He has. Inventions out the wazoo has a, do- a robotic dog named Goddard, which if you never had a dog growing up and you saw somebody was and your parents wouldn't allow you to have a dog, seeing somebody that created their own dog that looked like a dog, I was super jealous. And he's a lot tougher uh, than you think. He has survived some crazy feats. He surv- uh, survived molecules repositioning himself. So there was an episode where he and I think this invention will will be brought into this basketball game because. Before we start, I guess we should get into how we're we're going about this. So Dexter and J- Jimmy both have a slew of inventions, and we thought it might be a bit much to include all of them because it's just going to take away from basketball, it seems like. So our good Judge Roger had and Austin and myself had decided to limit us to three inventions. I don't, we'll, we'll see how we use them throughout the game. The judge is going to be controlling the pacing and the usage of these these gadgets, and he's going to see if it goes or it doesn't go. But I'll see if I can convince him otherwise. And most importantly, we've learned our lesson from earlier episodes. A magician needs to magician, an inventor <laughs> needs to invent. <laughs> Listen, I, I still stand by that Gandalf Dumbledore was, was riveting. <laughs> <laughs> episode number one that was was the og episode it's a hot start (laughs) um so i think there's some there's some key differences between jimmy and dexter when i look at jimmy and i look at dexter the first thing that jumps out at me is jimmy has friends jimmy is a normal kid and (laughs) damn you went there right away (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> that was a slight, so, man. Come on, keep uh, it listen, clean. Man, I'm just calling it how I seen it. When I did this research, it was quite startling to me that Jimmy had a gang with his friends and Dexter didn't. And when I see the, the activities that Jimmy did with his, his friends, he actually participated in sports and he enjoyed it. He did a school relay race with his friends. He did a baseball team with his friends. And when I look at Dexter, he is notorious for trying to get out of any physical activity that there is. I saw in multiple episodes that Dexter every day writes a pass to get out of gym. Uh, he fakes it from his mom. And there's even an episode where he was about to be going up to another grade and he was failing gym and he had to pass gym. So he finally passed gym. And that's when he went into another grade. So let me get this straight. You're arguing Jimmy Neutron and your first two arguments are Dexter has no friends and he likes to avoid physical activity. Why don't you talk about your guy? Leave my guy out of it for it. And we'll come back to this <laughs> you later. Are sounding, wow. You're sounding quite perturbed. And I like the way I'm starting this off. So, okay. We're, we, we won't throw Dexter under the bus right now. So when I look at Jimmy Neutron, but I, I would like to say that is something he's he's down to play sports. Dexter is not. So when we're looking at this matchup, we're going to have a lot more gung-ho Jimmy than we're going to have of Dexter. He's going to be like, oh, cool, another sport. So Jimmy's also really strong. Uh, there was this time in an episode where he was fighting with Libby and Cindy, one of his two friends, and Libby was holding his arms back while Cindy, they were fighting, and it was going to pretty much a two-on-one. He took Libby from his shoulder. He Remember, he turns around and throws her at Cindy. Now, this is a 12-year-old with not much strength, but he's throwing kids his age around like that, like they're Frisbees. That tells me this man is, uh, not this this boy is much stronger than we give him credit for. When I look at the inventions and the smarts of Dexter and Jimmy, I think the big advantage that Jimmy Neutron has is his brain blasts. Now, those who are not familiar with Jimmy Neutron when moments get tough and he's under pressure and he really needs to come up with a quick solution, he takes about two, three seconds, closes his eyes, and has a brain blast. And in these brain blasts, there are a lot of instances where he comes up with some really genius solutions on the fly and sometimes even creates some crazy stuff with a lot less material than you think they need. For example, he created an entire interstellar war fleet out of an amusement park with his dog. And he also made a jetpack with his jetpack. He took away a tornado because he flew around it and like nullified the air or something like that. So he just really quickly on the fly. And I think that's going to come into play in this battle with Dexter, because I feel like there's going to be a back and forth of inventions and, and kind of playing smarts. And when I look at Dexter, he needs a lot more preparation than Jimmy does. Jimmy can kind of do it in has a affinity to play sports. He's already created in an episode. He's created um, a baseball and gloves that automatically caught and automatically hit a ball. So he's already has the invention mindset to apply it to sports as well. When you see Dexter and argue when Austin argues, it's more like a one size fits all approach. Dexter doesn't really have that much creativity. So when I'm looking at the inventions that Jimmy and I want to use for Jimmy, there are a few that come to mind, and I want to run it by the judge, uh, a few of these things. So there's this one thing called the hypercube. So the hypercube is he created pretty much his own dimension in a cube, and he can put unlimited amount of things in it. And he kind of like – it's like his magic satchel, um, just pulls out whatever he has. So I wanted to ask Roger. 
I want to use the hypercube to pull out these things because I would like to argue like you're not going to have all these inventions. Like that's the thing that Dexter kind of has lacking is Jimmy can pull out a bunch of stuff out that site. But Dexter, I mean, is he going to prep and know what to bring of the thing? Like he always needs a lot more. See, Adam, this is your problem. You keep putting my character into a square (laughs) when he's an out of the box thinker. So I think you're making a lot of assumptions here. I just would okay, be careful. Okay, well, I just want to ask Roger. The Hypercube wouldn't be considered uh, uh, equipment. That's really just my equipment holder, correct? Your equipment holder. But we're limiting it to three inventions, though? Well, you or tell me, Judge. Items. You tell me. I feel like if you're using the hy- Hypercube, it's holding three items that you're using. Okay, that's what I'm asking. Yeah, I'm cool with that. I think I think you need to remember the genie theory. You can use the first two wishes, but the third can't be from. Yeah, no, wishes. no, no. That's not what I'm asking. But like, well, I think it just comes into a bigger advantage play where Jimmy can have his inventions on the fly as opposed to Dexter. I don't know if he's bringing all these inventions that Austin's going to go over. But anyway, so I have the shoes, the super speed shoes that I'm going to be putting on Jimmy for this matchup. And the thing with Jimmy is he creates inventions. And sometimes they go awry, but he always learns for them after. So I think that's an important note where if he has a second iteration of his invention, he's not going to make the same mistake. It goes smoothly. And he's shown that before. So this shoes are he was running a race uh, against his friends and basically makes him invisible. He runs so fast and he does this by stealing a sandwich from his teacher. One time he was just trying to test it out is invisible. So when you're looking at a super speed in this matchup and you can't even see him i don't know how dexter is going to be guarding him at all because he's just going to zoom past and get the layup quite easily then i look at the second invention which is going to give him his hops is his jetpack so i got the speed for the the with the shoes i got the jetpack where if he needs to get that extra elevation while he jumps he boosts a little bit able to dunk that ball saying he's got some crazy crazy hops and the third invention, I was really, really tough to to choose the third one because obviously I'm not going to use Goddard, but like he's going to be on the sidelines cheering on. I don't care. That's just my dog's going to be there cheering me on. So I got that morale support there. People love me. Dexter doesn't really have anybody that loves him. And then, <laughs> um, and then, and I actually have an example. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna say that you need to cut out insulting the other person's <laughs> character because Austin hasn't had a chance to talk about Dexter yet and you've thrown a lot of jabs unnecessarily. We just have a fun here, man. We just have fun here. Okay. All right. So the last one, there was either I was going to go with the cloning machine, which makes copies of himself, which is just going to, but I thought maybe of a one-on-one, it's not that fair because it's going to be like three-on-one. So I took that out. And the one I ended up going with is his... Not titled correctly, but his shrink ray. Now, why I say this is not titled correctly is because not only can it shrink things down to a small size, but it can blow things up to a large size. And there's even a setting that is called planet size where he can there's in the movie. He was going against these like gushy aliens and took over his parents and his friends, put him on a different ship. And he was riding towards them on Goddard. And apparently he can breathe in space. That's a thing in the show. And he actually one time was going to explain it. And then they made like a funny joke where Carl was just like explaining something while over Jimmy was explaining it. But I also want to note that means he's got some crazy long strength. He can breathe in space. 
that's there's no no slouch for the stamina that this man is going to be showing. When I look at this matchup, and I think if Dexter wants to get some crazy mech suit on, that Jimmy is going to be just as big. He can put him size to seven foot if he wanted, and that really covers all his bases. He's going to be fast with the shoes. He's going to have hops with the jetpack, and he's going to have size with the, the shrink ray. And I also wanted to ask, I thought it would be p- pretty cool. Maybe we have three regular inventions and one invention that we create that we think they would create. Because I have a, a theory of what Jimmy would create if he were to create a, a invention for this matchup. I think first I need to hear Austin's rundown and then I'll decide that. Okay, that's fair enough. The only other thing I'd ask of you before I start, Adam, is is when are you going to be using these from a timeline perspective? Because I also have very many similar you know, characteristics or aspects of my inventions that can neutralize some of these. So I'm trying to, from a timeline perspective, figure out, you know, how I might go about doing So this. I think he starts out with no inventions because Jimmy plays sports. And I think maybe Dexter might have a slight edge in the beginning because he doesn't play sports. There was actually um, an episode I saw when he played against Dee Dee and Dee Dee um, stepped on his face and dunked on it. So uh, the defense is quite porous if he wasn't using the invention. Um, so what I see, I think Jimmy's going to want to play basketball because Jimmy's a kid and he has friends and he likes to play with his friends. And then... <laughs> No more personal attacks against Dexter right now, please. <laughs> Wait until Austin finishes. <laughs> no, so I, the way I see it, he's going to bring out the jetpack first because sometimes he's going to be met with like resistance at the rim of whatever Dexter brings out. So we'll put on the jetpack. And he'll be able to get some dunks and some easy shots. I also think that Dexter will be uh, not Dexter. I think Jimmy will be a good shooter because I think he understands like the angles and the physics of it with his brain blast. Like in the middle of that thing, he'd be like, how do I shoot it the best? And he'll like think. And I think that brain blast really plays into effect a lot in this matchup because there are going to be counters that Dexter does. But Jimmy has a better sense of on the fly thinking and creativity than Dexter does. So I see him bringing out the jetpack first. I see him then going to his speed shoes because Dexter might bring out some OP thing and Jimmy's going to think, you know what? I'm just going to go invisible with speed. I'm going to steal the ball. Dexter's not even going to get a shot up. I'm going to steal it, just hit it, steal it, score, steal it, score kind of thing. Dexter maybe does whatever you're going to do. This is I'm just playing it out here. And then the final thing, the shrink ray, I'm just going to get fucking big. I'm going to body you. You're not going to get around me at the hoop. I'm just going to score at will. And with those three combined, I don't think you touch him. Player comp is a bit a bit tough. You know, it's funny. Duncan Robinson of the Miami Heat, uh, his nickname is Jimmy Neutron, but he looks like Sheen, the character. He doesn't look like anything like Jimmy Neutron. He looks like Sheen, but they call him Jimmy Neutron. The, the comp I'm going to go with, come back to me. I want. I have like two or three in mind. You come back to me. You go, and, I, and I'll give my comp. What's the score? The score is going to be 21. You should. You should wait to give your score until you okay, hear what okay. I'm going to do. Fair enough. Fair. Because you're going to say some outrageous thing right now, and I want to make sure you don't look foolish. <laughs> Save me the embarrassment, Austin. Thank you so much, buddy. <laughs> Thank you for mocking me. That was exactly what I was going for. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so take it away. All right. So, Adam, and uh, I believe you. Uh, we, we did some co-research on the height. Dexter was two feet tall. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay. Okay, so first off, Dexter... Well, does he have friends? No. 
let's let's talk about the quality of his friends. Jimmy Neutron's friends are the last people left at the lunch table with no one else to sit with friends. It's, it's friends are friends. Right? Friends that just friends. come together. And over time, over time throughout the series, they galvanize together. Now, unfortunately, because Dexter's so smart, he doesn't go to school with all these other people and have friends, right? The opportunity, he's only eight years old. He's very clearly too smart for his own good sometimes from a social aspect. So that has nothing to do with basketball. And I really appreciate you stop being bullying. Dexter Dexter. for sure goes to school. That's for sure goes to school. I don't remember that part. Uh, I've seen multiple. Yeah, he goes to school. He does. Yeah. <laughs> oh no! All right. Well, moving on. So first, Adam, you said you're gonna you're gonna take on your first invention being a jetpack. Well, I also was a little confused on your saying uh, you can bring your inventions with you, but I can't. What is this? I'm just thinking about like a functionality standpoint. Like it's a lot easier for Jimmy to seamlessly pull out his inventions in the middle of a game as opposed to Dexter like. Is he going to foreshadow these three inventions kind of thing? I guess it's more formality and technicality, but I just you like... You said the, you're bringing a shrink ray. How are you going to hide that and bring it out in the middle of a game? In the cube. I keep keep the cube in the pocket. That's what he does. He has like a cube and he can take out anything because it's a different uh, dimension. I don't judge, know if Dexter has that judge, advancedness in his arsenal, but Jimmy definitely does. Judge, is this argument giving any credence to you? Do I need to worry about this or can I just pass um, on it? It depends on how your tech is going to work out. If I'm going to allow the hypercube, I'm still like iffy on it. I understand it's an invention, but it seems growingly unfair. Because I can dimension two. I can dimension two. <laughs> I can dimension two. <laughs> Dimension's a verb now. <laughs> well, do you have anything with the same functionality as two. this hypercube? I do. I do. That I do. But I'd prefer not to use it. I prefer to just use my inventions. And have them already at the court. I would prefer not to use my dimensional gate to bring it to my laboratory. Fair. Okay. Okay. I I I, I think it's an even playing field. We're bringing our inventions with us. They're coming before. So I also have a shrink gun too. So if you want to reconsider that, I can cancel that out too. Well, that's the tricky part about me going first and you going second is you know the three inventions I'm going for and now you can easily counter your three inventions. We probably should have given our the judge our three inventions from the start and then we kind of work from there, but you have an advantage. Hey, but this is unconventional. Yeah, so I'll we take We probably this. should have, but there was, a, there was a reason I wanted to ask you first and you willingly gave up that information and gave me a slight advantage. Secondly, I also just offered to give you something else if you wanted to as well. So I'm I'm being charitable. I will I will take something else after hearing your argument. We'll play it like that. We'll see if I want to or not. You, no, <laughs> you don't get the right to switch. This isn't a this isn't an invention swap. You not, don't get the draft uh, not, swap not three judge, years from now. That's the judge's call. That's you making stuff up and hoping judge? Roger throws you a lifeline. Judge, I think. Uh, do you guys have more than three uh, inventions uh, readily available to choose from? Yeah, I think how I'll play. Of course. It, I'll have you guys match up offense, defense on, or if you want to do offense, offense on it. So just have, give me your three that you want, and then I'll figure it out from there. All right, fine. I'm going straight at it off of Adam's. Okay, so first, Adam is going with his little jetpack here. So I'm going to bring my gravity gauntlet, which can control the gravity of a target person or item. And I'm going to get rid of your gravity on your jetpack, and yours can be floating off Anywhere you go, you won't be able to come back down, or you're going to fall on your face and get injured. One of the two. Can I counter that already? Should I wait? Because Jimmy Neutron has already flown in space with his jetpack. And like I said, he breathes in space. He doesn't need gravity for a jetpack. So I don't know 
go ahead and waste your invention on that. I'm we glad you wait. did. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I've flown through the space with that. Um, okay. Well, I'm going to make it super gravity, like Jupiter, and you're going to crash back into the planet. Okay. Go on. Let's hear all of your, your arguments. Okay. Okay. So, so that's my first one, right? You're flying around, whatever. Then you said you're going to shrink me. Well, luckily no, for that's you. That's what I said. Okay. What did you I say? I said I'm going to blow myself up. <laughs> I'm not going to shrink you. I'm blowing gonna, myself up. Jimmy Neutron's going up, up to seven feet. He's not shrinking, Dexter. Gotta pay attention, my man. Okay. Speed shoes, jetpack, shrink ray, that also enlarges. Okay. I'm gonna I'm going to then size manipulate you and use my shrink ray and bring you down to microscopic size. So cancel each other out. We're both. You know what's funny? You complain about me talking about Dexter, but all your whole argument is just talking about what inventions you're gonna counter mine. What inventions were you wanting to use and your basketball and your game plan? Um I mean, you strategically told me what you were going to do. So why would I do that? The honor system, my friend. That's what me and, and Lo did right, last with the Pokemon so this is, battle. Well, you didn't tell me that before. I just thought you were an honorable man. <laughs> All right, fine. Fine, fine. Here's what I was going to do. First off, I was going to bring my wrench with me because I can reflect any attack that you would have sent at me. It sounds like you're not even attacking me, so I guess that no, really I use the inventions decision. to score. I don't use the inventions to hurt. Okay, well, I'm going to hurt. <laughs> I'm going to swing my wrench at you, and I hope you're afraid of it. <laughs> wow. Have you? How do you play one-on-one -on -one with a wrench in your hand? You let me know. Let's play one-on-one, -on -one and an you extender. have the whole time. You know how many steals you're going to get from hitting the ball out? I would Next. love to play one-on-one -on -one with you with a wrench in your hand and see how that goes. <laughs> I, you're going to hate me because your hands are going to be in rough shape afterwards. All right. Fine. Fine. Next. Here's the next thing that Dexter is going to do. Again, he's going to go with dimensional travel and bring the game to his laboratory. You say he doesn't care about things. The one thing he cares about most is his laboratory. He will take this game extremely seriously. He has every single invention in front of him. It's going to spark his genius at any point in time. Jimmy's little brain blasts when he's sitting there for two or three seconds. He's not even going to be able to do anything. The ball's just going to be sitting out there, wait to be taken. Dexter could go around him. There's a lot of different things he could be doing at those periods of time if he tries to brain blast. What is he even going to do? What is he going to brain blast? The basketball goes in the hoop. Wow. Brain blast the ways that you beat Dexter, his weaknesses and the advantages that Jimmy has. I mean, you got to be a cerebral player here, bro. Okay, sure. Next. See, this one, this one I'm going to go with. And the third invention I'm going to use is called the mechanical time disruptor. Now, you said you can run really fast and almost become invisible. Well, oh, I am invisible. With Dexter's, he can slow down the target's motion to a crawl. It'll slow down time only for them, and it makes it appear as he is doing everything at super speed to his opponent. So Jimmy's going to be going at super speed, and Dexter's going to be the super, super, super to speed. How are you supposed to counter that? Well, you say that he moves like super speed. So if you're making Dexter look like he's at super speed while Jimmy's already at super speed, wouldn't it just double negative make them normal? Speed. absolutely not because what it does is it extends seconds into minutes so the person dexter in this case which is taking advantage of this is going to have the most amazing reaction times of anything he has a minute to decide what jimmy's going to do in one second that's like I, so much it's not even needed of an advantage 
He dribbles the ball with his left hand. Dexter could consider like 300 different ways how to steal the ball in that one dribble. How is Jimmy going to brain blast that? He doesn't have that capacity. That's going to send him into overdrive. He's going to crash like a computer. I think those brain blasts come up with a solution. And I also think when you look at you bringing the game into Dexter's laboratory, first of all, I'll leave that to the judge if we're going to leave it home court advantage. Second of all, it's not like Dexter's laboratory is very secure and breach proof and he knows everything. Didi sneaks around and breaks shit all the time. He doesn't have any sense of control over his laboratory. Shit blows up, breaks, and like he's like, oh shit, Didi. His older sister's controlling him most of the time in that laboratory. So I don't think this home court advantage is all it's cracked up to be. That's okay. I'm counting on many things going wrong in the laboratory during the game to distract Jimmy even more. Dexter's used to stuff blowing up there and he still creates genius inventions. He can make force fields. He can stop time. He has a clone machine just like you do, right? Jimmy could go clone himself 10 times during the game if he wants to step outside of bounds. I think Jimmy's going to be so intrigued by the intellectual knowledge and capacity that isn't present in this laboratory. He's not even going to want to play basketball. See, I think that's the the opposite. When Jimmy is going to want to play the game because Jimmy likes sports. Dexter is notorious, doesn't like sports, tries to get out of gym. And when... Dexter sees Jimmy pull out all of these tools. Dexter could be like, holy shit, a science person, that's my friend. Can we be friends? And Jimmy's like, you're a, a lame, bro. I'm trying to win this game, and I got other friends. I got Sheen and Carl. So why would I need that? So I don't think Dexter is going to have much of a defensive presence, and Jimmy can stop time anyway as well. I just didn't bring that up. But if you want to stop time, then shit. If the judge allows, the other invention I was considering using was a a separate, different counter to the shrink ray. Dexter also has a machine that allows him to grow. His height has been a problem in the past, you see. You know, he really wanted to go on his favorite roller coaster, The Thing. And unfortunately, he was too short to do so. So he built an invention that made him grow. Unfortunately, there's a side effect to it that in real life isn't great, but in basketball, it would tend to be something good. You don't stop growing. You continuously grow. Over and over again. As a matter of fact, he became so tall that when he actually got on the roller coaster and went into a tunnel, he got hit in the head by the tunnel and fell off the roller coaster. So the grow, growing, what 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 is that technically called? It's kind of the same thing as I have, the shrink ray, but the opposite. I also okay. want to take into account, and I, I wasn't allowed to get into Dexter's character because the judge didn't let Austin go, but now Austin has has presented some arguments. Dexter is such a hothead and so easily flustered and is very prone into making mistakes when he is angry. Didi is the prime example that if you get Dexter annoyed enough, he's going to make an easy mistake. And I think on the basketball court, that leads to easy turnovers. If one or two things of Dexter's inventions doesn't go his way or doesn't work as properly as he thinks it does, I think he's going to get really pissed and like maybe try to do it harder and just like prove a point that it should work. And that's what's going to like create a gap in scoring because he's just going to want to has an ego to him where he thinks his inventions are better. So I think if one instance of if Jimmy's shit's working better than Dexter, Dexter gets flustered so much more easy than Jimmy does. Jimmy, again, has that calm presence in the example of a brain blast where he can take a hectic situation and make it work for him. That's family. Family's different. Didi's always badgering and pestering him. She's living in his own house. It gets to him. 
Jimmy's going to be so distracted. There's so much intellectual capacity. It's like being at Oxford. You just have to ask questions, explore, learn more. A brain like Jimmy Neutron won't be able to ignore the scientific magnitude that's existing around him. Whether his demeanor is cool, calm, and collected, it won't matter. He's, he's a knowledge guy. He's going to want to explore the knowledge. I think you're in the view of Dexter, which Dexter would do that because Dexter doesn't see athletics as a pursuit or any purpose. He wants to only exercise the mind, not the body. But like I've said, Jimmy has joined a sports team. He's joined an athletic race. He cheated at a sports team. He cheated. He created a baseball bat that was illegal, not per specifications. He created a glove that was not per specifications. That's cheating. He can't create a a machine that shoots the basketball perfectly every single time. Well, no, but that's why I'm saying, though, my point was that Jimmy can separate athletic leisure and science and knowledge. Dexter cannot. So I neglect and reject your argument that Jimmy's (laughs) going to get so distracted because Jimmy can separate himself into having fun. Dexter just doesn't have fun. He does science. Did he play the game with a real bat and ball at the end and a real glove, or did he keep using his invention so he could win the game and no, cheat? No, they went to a championship. Cheaters never win, Adam. Cheaters never win. They went to a championship in Japan, and they lost because they didn't use the bat. The Patriots have won in a ben- lot. Ben- what? I didn't hear. Of course you didn't hear, Boston boy. <laughs> <laughs> if you're not tre- cheating, you're not trying. Ooh. But the Patriots have won off of... Uh... A not a Patriots cheating. fan whatsoever at all, so I'm going to ask to that not be held yeah. against in my location in Maine right now. Oh, no. <laughs> you're New England. You're, you're in all of it. <laughs> Unbeknownst to you, Adam, this was in the postscript notes from Jimmy Neutron. His team was disqualified from that tournament due to invalid equipment. You should go look at that. It's on Nickelodeon's website. I watched the, I watched the, the episode. They Did you the watch the credits? Did you watch the credits? Here comes the stickler. Okay, so so I think I have a question for both of you. How are they scoring their points? Is it going to be? It sounds like it's going to be primarily one. <laughs> Wait, we're so playing basketball. I, I thought we were messing with each other. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we're here to play basketball. I think Jimmy is going to be scoring a lot of in the paint, but I also think he has the ability to shoot just off his like brain blast and and kind of figuring out the game in a way like he figured out how to create a basket, a baseball and a glove that works for him. So that's why I also wanted to see if you wanted to create an invention. Cause I could see Jimmy creating um, two sweatbands on his wrists that just make his jumper super wet. Like it's just like kind of like his glove, but positions is or i was thinking he'd make like what it looks like kareem abdul jabbar or james worthy or amari stoudemire goggles and the goggles would be like kind of showing him the trajectory he has to shoot the ball and to make it every time that was what my suggestive inventions because i know he's done it with sports already so i could see him doing it with basketball okay you know roger that's a great question i think we're gonna have our first no contest in mano mano history these two minds clearly when brought together could create such intellectual capacity for the human mind it would change the course of history it's just menial to play a game of basketball between them when there's only limited time they can spend together on earth Damn, i think ultimately no he thinks three to lose. two and they're gonna <laughs> abandon the cause they're gonna abandon the game that's what Austin's doing right now throwing that white flag baby <laughs> well that didn't sound very confident in <laughs> You don't even have confidence in him scoring once. <laughs> no, 
No, I think it's going to be a very defensive game. A lot of the inventions are going to come down to changing or distorting how the other person's playing. It's not going to be unlike any basketball game you've ever seen before. We're going to have gravity holding them down to the ground. Now, Dexter's always used to being closer to the ground than Jimmy, so that should be an advantage for him. He's going to feel the pressure on top of his head. He's already used to that from the weight of his brain. Jimmy's got a big old head. It's going to feel like it's really coming down on him. It's going to change how he's going to play. His hair's going to be in his eyes. He's not going to be able to see. The hair's never in his eyes. It's always slicked up. And if anything, the hair's going to be in Dexter's face when he's trying to shoot it. No, the gravity's going to pull it down. It's just going to pull it down. I, I, I don't think Jimmy can that dribble gel, without, without some sort of invention. So if Adam adds that in, I'm confident that Jimmy would find the best invention. If that's not part of the rules, I think Dexter is going to triumph due to his force fields. I think, really, Dexter's not even going to be shooting. He's going to be hitting the ball off of force fields, uh, different things. Uh, he's going to have his growth. He's going to be tossing the ball in. I think it's not going to really resemble anything like the game of basketball as we've come to know it. I think the growth thing that Austin says, I already mentioned my shrink ray is going to make me, I have a planet size option, so I can, sure, I can be taller than whatever. Well, if you're a planet size option, I'm not sure how you're going to stay in the bounds. Well, I'm not saying I'm going to turn planet size. Well, then what are you saying? What are you saying? You're threatening me with planet size. Which one is it? I can. There's an option. It's not all or nothing, man. There's gray area, not black and white. Relax. So don't go to extremes then. I'm saying he has the capability. And also, when I think of when he has those those shoes, Dexter's literally – the inventions that you, you named, oh, he's not going to see Jimmy. He's not going to be able to see and, and apply some of these things because he's going to be moving so fast. So, he like, these force to. fields, where is he going to know where the force fields are going to go? I mean, Well, the force fields force are field invisible too. Why can't he? Is that against the rules, Judge? Okay. So, Austin, do you want – a fourth invention invention that's made during the course of the game. Yes. I'm going to go with a self-destruct button. That's how you know he takes his L. He is trying his, his best. <laughs> I know. I just, I just think that ultimately at the end of the day, there's more important things in life than balls sometimes. Ball is life, and I, I wholeheartedly no, I, disagree with I, you. I, I honestly think, I honestly think after we've gone through this, every single invention Dexter has, Jimmy has. Every invention Jimmy has, except for this little satchel thing. You like these satchels. Deadpool, Jimmy, you're a satchel guy. I didn't realize this. You're part of the wolf pack. I didn't realize. If if I needed a deep bag. Okay. So what I'll say, Adam, your three inventions are going to be the speed shoes, the jet pack, and the shrink ray. And then your fourth was supposed to be? Uh, If I were to create it, it'd be those those wristbands that make me like a sharpshooter. Wristbands. Okay. And then, Austin, your shrink ray was supposed to be uh, one of them. Gravity gun, and then the growth. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was also going to ask, how are you doing force fields? That's not one of your three. Uh, I wasn't doing the shrink ray. He's playing in the lab, he was saying. Are we allowing this? Um, if I'm going to allow the, grab, uh, the interdimensional uh, gravity pocket, I think I would allow the lab. Oh, so you are uh, the hypercube. Okay, cool. He just got so excited. <laughs> he loves Listen, satchels, man. Dexter, Wolfpack. Dexter doesn't have any control over his lab. Didi just runs a muck on it, so I don't think a home court advantage is doing shit for is that. Is Al Fanakis listening to this? Are you playing to him? You must love The Hangover. I haven't seen that movie in a while. That's a good movie, though. Second and third one. So Gravity Gauntlet, uh, Time Disruptor, and the yeah. growth thing. All right. And then the force fields would be your fourth, quote-unquote. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to add a little wrinkle to it. 
Dexter's already proven he can build force fields. Um, I'm going to say they're also directional force fields that can move the object through it if it so choose towards the basket. It's like a slide, like shoots and ladders. Okay. So I'm hearing a lot of ones. So, gentlemen, what are your your scores that you're giving this? Oh, I didn't even get player comp. My player comp is Steve Nash. I've I've come up with it. He's small. He can he can shoot. He's quick, uh, and he's really smart. He can he at the drop of a dime can make a move that is going to get a winning basket. Uh, score is like I said, twenty one seventeen, I believe. Um, but do you have a player comp, Austin? Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, Bismack Biombo. I think with the growth plate, it's going to cause some issues with his with his um, what's the word? Help me. What's the word? I will not help you with that player comp. I will not help you at all. I know coordination. I mean. It's not... gonna it's gonna mess with his coordination. Dexter's used to being low to the ground. It's gonna take some time. His hands are gonna struggle with the ball. He's not gonna know what to do, and ultimately he'll realize he can drop the ball in into the net. That's the most the best way to score a basket. Easiest way to do it. He's gonna block some shots, a lot of them, hopefully, of Jimmy's great shooting. The ones that his force field doesn't get, of course. I'm going to go with a final score of 21 to 19. I do think it will be extremely close. I, I I just don't see a separator between these two. I think it might come down to luck at the end of the day. Okay. I do agree with the score to 21-19. There were very salient points. <laughs> I do like the what <laughs> interdimensional cue. I do think that Jimmy would be comfortable uh, playing the game in the lab. Because, like you said, Jimmy is very comfortable playing sports. Dexter might have made a big deal about it, and then he would have went to the lab, which is why I included the force fields that are in this lab that are going on. The friend thing did not really affect <laughs> <laughs> this argument. Um, there were unnecessary shots thrown at I Dexter. Think it was, I think it was so, pertinent only because Jimmy can find happiness and value in sports and friends and and dexter can't he only finds it in science that's why i'm saying he is a better focus for a basketball game if anything that uh, to me that's the opposite if he's more focused on science and the task at hand he's more focused at winning this basketball game <laughs> that's not how i would interpret it jimmy's over here <laughs> jimmy's over here just having fun like hey i have my friends after this dexter's over here like yeah if i don't win this like <laughs> <laughs> what else do I have? <laughs> I do agree with with Austin though. Like, if he's doing taking two to three seconds for a brain blast, like that is prime time for apparently Bismack Biombo <laughs> to steal the ball <laughs> from <laughs> from Jimmy. I think the brain blast happens right when if Dexter scores. That's when you get the ball. Like before you check it up, he has that brain blast. He's not brain blasting in the middle of the game. He's doing it in between points. Well, you should have said that during the argument period. Well, I'm just trying to clarify. It's too late to go back I now. Do think, <laughs> we'll never, I do please think never sing again. <laughs> Dexter gets flustered. I do think that Dexter gets uh, flustered enough that, you know, maybe he'll take a point or two off. But you did bring up the wristbands that Jimmy is, is inventing during during the game, correct? Yeah, probably. From his hypercube, just bring out some tools. But... If we're pay- playing at the home court of Dexter, which is insane that we allowed this, all of a sudden it's home court advantage for Dexter. Well, if I'm if I'm allowing the hypercube, like I I almost because I feel like Jimmy, 
I feel like Jimmy would be comfortable saying, "Oh, you want to play at your lab? Sure, we'll we'll do that." Because he's more secure. He has friends. He has You're right. He is more secure. Here. You're right. He this, is more secure. This isn't <laughs> throw Dexter a bone here. This is yeah, exactly. Like Dexter is actually playing. Like yo, th- after this, like I'll, I'll I'll be an empty hole on the inside <laughs> if I lose this game. But the big thing that you did bring up, Adam, is that he learns how to improve his technology after it fails so these wristbands that he's making they're gonna fail not this not at the wrong not everything time. fails just about not, goddard never failed what not everything fails goddard was has clearly been well established for a while he's been around not everything fails i heard he was Something version 17.0 <laughs> yeah you heard <laughs> Well, you're talking about his new and improved speed shoes and everything. And he, uh, through failure, it seems like Jimmy learns and understands more. And that's why he has to have the brain blast because he needs to learn how to make it better because he already made it work. And I think with this force field home court advantage, it will come down to 21-19. Bismack, Biombo, Dexter in his laboratory. You know... I just want to say for all those people out there that are struggling for being bullied for not having any friends, this is a victory for you. I got accused of some racism last week on this podcast. I'm I'm accusing Adam of some bullying this week. It's only fair. I did I did want to go with with Jimmy. I'm upset that Austin didn't bring up the mecho suit that Dexter has that he literally played basketball with. He played dodgeball and he dunked a he dunked a kid on it. I was worried. I, mean, I was really worried he was bringing that one up, but he did. I didn't want to go with the mecha suit. I just it's not it's not for me. It I I saw the same scene that you saw. I watched what he did with it. He just he seemed like he victimized those other children, and I don't want to promote that to his benefit though. It's uh, all right. The way that you're bringing it up, it's probably good that you. He shot TNT dodgeballs repeatedly at the same victims. I mean, to his his defense, he was getting bullied and beat up from those kids long before he hit that dodgeball game. But I will say this is a travesty. Jimmy Neutron has a, a foot and eight inches on on Dexter. He's four years older, meaning four years more smarter and experience. And Dexter gets super fucking flustered and hates basketball. If you put him in a one-on-one, Dexter would be like, what the fuck am I playing this game sport for? And I don't see how he has the determination or the winning edge to want to do that. But who am I but a lonely arguer? Well, I think that your bashing of him also just made the argument for it. Like, he has no friends, so he needs to win this game. Jimmy's going to lose this, and he's going to be okay. He's going to go home, and he's going to be like, oh, well, I just lost the game to Dexter. Oh, that's a cute little kid. Like, he, he won. That's cool. Dexter doesn't care about sports. He doesn't care if he loses sports. He thinks it's a mundane game. This isn't Dexter sports. Dexter cares if he wins. This is technological capacity against each other and outsmarting someone. We're playing basketball here, Austin. You brought a magical satchel with you. That has nothing to be used on the court. I'm just it, it, think of it as a backpack. You want to put a magical set? It's a backpack, but just a big. When was amount the last of time you space. saw someone playing basketball in in a backpack? I think that happens more often than playing basketball with a wrench. <laughs> you might be surprised. <laughs> yeah, no, you catch no, that no, plumbers no. league on Tuesday nights? Wrenches <laughs> are out here. Well, well, all right. I guess I'll I'll take this L. Our judge, Roger, I don't know if I'll have him back after this mishap, but uh, 
I had to be as honest as I could. I did not watch any videos. I just based it off. Oh your my god! All right. Well, there you have what it. What integrity? We, uh, we called our. Let's. Well, it's different words in my mind, but all right. Well, uh, <laughs> we'll call it there. So our first matchup today, we had Carmelo Anthony taking it over Dominique Wilkins. Uh, Judge says about twenty-one seventeen. Our Dexter and Jimmy Neutron one-on-one basketball inventive technological warfare battle, but really this is just a one-on-one basketball game. We had it Dexter taking it over Jimmy Neutron twenty-one to nineteen. But please let us know what you guys think. We have uh, Instagram mono underscore y underscore mono underscore podcast. It's it's a mouthful, but not a lot to type. I promise. And on Twitter at mono e mono two the number two. That's a lot less to type. And please let us know what you guys think. Uh, who wins? Uh, if the judges are completely right, completely wrong, good arguments, whatever you name it. Roger, thank you so much for for filling in for low today. It was a pleasure having you on. Um, and you got your first win. It's it's got to be a good day for you. Thank you for having me. I'm like looking forward to how I sound in real life. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and again, Austin, your your day one. Thank you again, and we'll see you guys next week on another episode. Peace.